This Stand Student Podcast is brought to you by Stand, a serious educational development initiative by Irish Aid. Learn more about the work that Stand does with young people across Ireland at stand.ie. Welcome to podcast number six of our podcast series on the DRC. These are our last two episodes and we're going to end these series talking about a very pressing topic, supply chains and conflict mineral extraction. In our introduction, we will particularly focus on cobalt. In the later part of these episodes, we're privileged to be joined by Sasha Letzneff, who will share his expertise on mineral extraction and the current situation in the DRC. Have you ever wondered what is inside our phones and laptops? Have you ever wondered where these apparently tiny components united by different wires come from? What is the journey that your phone has traveled to reach your hands? Of the 118 elements in the periodic table, 75 are used to make your smartphone, including gold, indium, silicon, as well as lithium and cobalt for the battery. Other elements, also known as rare earth elements, although not precisely scarce, liberate toxic substances when extracted. All of these elements are finite, which means that extracting them in mass quantities could lead to the eventual loss of more than half of all the earth elements. Can you function with half of your organs? I wonder how the earth would function with half of the elements it is made up of. There are many dilemmas linked to these elements. Nevertheless, today we're going to focus on cobalt specifically for its great impact on the lands of the DRC and its people. Cobalt is an essential element in the battery of our phones. It is combined with other metals in order to allow batteries to be rechargeable as well as stand intact under extreme heat. Around 60% of the whole world's cobalt supply comes from the DRC. Cobalt demand globally is predicted to ascend by 60% from the 2017 levels by 2025. However, what is driving this crazy desperate need for cobalt? There are many products that contain cobalt. However, one could say that the answer is electric cars. Electric cars seems to be the new normal, the ultimate solution for the irresponsible use of fossil fuels. Nevertheless, are we climbing up a big hole to jump into an even deeper one? The EU has destined 60,000 million euro to the production and encouragement of the use of electric cars which represents a 3.5 times higher investment than China. They compromise to offer liquidity terms to car manufacturers and other support plans, such as tax breaks, to ensure that this plan is successfully implemented. At the beginning of this year, 7% of all car sales were represented by e-cars. Germany has compromised to install more than 1 million rechargeable points by 2030. 
All of these plans are extremely promising to stop the greenhouse effect. However, how is cobalt extracted and what are the consequences of such an increase in the demand for this mineral? As I stated before, more than half of the whole reserves of cobalt on Earth come from the Congo. This is affecting the Congo in many ways, most of which are not particularly positive. It is estimated that one-fifth of all the cobalt extracted comes from artisanal mines. Artisanal mines are those which are not regulated, mainly of illegal nature. Cobalt is extracted in very primitive conditions, and most of the time, it is children as young as seven years old, the ones that extract these minerals. This child labor has led to many deaths and illnesses such as dermatitis due to working without gloves or lung diseases from breathing cobalt dust. But how does this cobalt end up in our phones and car batteries? The supply chain for cobalt is so complex that it is nearly untraceable. Action has started to be taken with regards to technology and e-cars producers to ensure that their supply chain is clean from child labor or illegal mining. Nevertheless, it is not that easy. This last December, firms as famous as Apple, Dell, Microsoft, Tesla and Alphabet, Google, were involved in a lawsuit over the deaths or fatal injuries of 14 children in the DRC who had been illegally working in two alleged mining companies, UK mining company Glencore, which later sells its cobalt to Belgian trader Umicor, and which then distributes cobalt for the manufacture of products made by Tesla, Microsoft, Apple, among others. Other families also involved in the Chinese firm Zaiyang Huayu Cobalt, which is also claimed to support these firms. Families claim that these children were paid less than $2 where they were exposed to tunnels collapsing on them as they excavated for hours. These firms claim to keep revising their supply chains to make their products components conflict-free. However, illegal mining is poorly regulated by the government and sometimes it occurs independently from the main firms as those who work illegally collect cobalt from artisanal mines and bring it to independent stalls where it is bought by independent buyers which later take it to be processed. 80% of the cobalt from the DRC is processed in China. One of the main problems with this situation stems from the fact that cobalt is not processed in the DRC itself and it is exported to other countries which makes the supply chain even more complex and hard to follow. In order to understand the current situation, we must look at the geopolitics linked to the material itself. Cobalt forms part of a group of 15 strategic metals that countries such as the US, Australia, Botswana and Peru want to secure. It could be claimed that this is primarily a race against China that to date appears to be the one at the forefront of the use and extraction of these metals, which are crucial in the transition to greener energies and for the production of electric vehicles, battery storage and wind turbines. New mining projects are starting in other parts of the world, such as Australia, South America, Canada and Greenland. The strategy is clear. In this geopolitical competition, 
Western powers and its allies are trying to secure territories where China has not yet set foot. Nevertheless, and as most times in history, those who suffered the consequences of these bipolar battles remain in the shadows. What does the future look like for the DRC on this issue? Now that the Congo is not the only target, what is their future? If demand for cobalt keeps increasing, there will be a future need to obtain cobalt from other sources. According to the US Geological Survey, there are more reserves of cobalt, nickel, and other rare earth metals under the seabed than all, all other reserves combined on the Earth's surface. Countries such as the US and China have started to develop technologies that can extract these metals. This, on the one hand, could diversify supply of minerals, especially cobalt, that as we know, more than half comes from the DRC. It has been estimated that 15% of the global supply of minerals could come from the deep sea by 2050. Many NGOs have raised their voices as these practices could bring the reversible loss of biodiversity. They urge for electronic devices to be recycled in order to halt the demand for such a quantity of minerals. This is just a brief overview of the whole situation with regards to just one mineral. In just a few seconds, we will be joined by Sasha Letzneff. He will be telling us about the situation with regards to cobalt, but also other conflict minerals. He's the deputy director of policy at the Sentry. And the Sentry is an investigative and policy team that follows dirty money connected to African war criminals and seeks to shut those benefiting from violence. And you can find more information on their website, thecentry.org. It was co-funded by George Clooney and John Pendergast. Mr. Letznev centers on conflict and governance in Central Africa, and he is the author of the book, Crafting Peace. Welcome, Mr. Letznev. Thanks so much, Maria, for having me. So we're going to start with the first question. Um, seeing from the re uh, report on cobalt that features on your website, the issue of cobalt extraction and traceability towards the electronic products that we buy is highly complex due to high levels of corruption. Could you tell us about the biggest challenges with regards to consumption and traceability, please? Sure. So. Um, just a little bit of a background. I've worked on the DR, Democratic Republic of Congo, for some 12 years um, and have been there a number of times. Uh, we also have uh, a team of people working on uh, the country in addition to me and including um, people in uh, the Congo. So, um, uh, you know, my, what I'm about to say is, you know, my own views, but, but also based on our team um, research investigations over the last um, decade or so. Um, so uh, I think what is really interesting uh, about the 
the Congo and minerals is that we are all connected um, to the Congo and its minerals. Uh, Congolese minerals were used in, are used every day in our electronics, in our cars, in our jewelry, in other products. And so um, uh, we have a certain connection uh, to them every time we make a phone call or we send an email or we open up our our computer um, or turn on um, a car or even take a um, take a train so um, uh, in particular uh, the Congo is blessed or cursed depending on your perspective um, with uh, cobalt it's got the world's highest um, amount of cobalt produces some 50 to 70 percent last year alone um, Congo was estimated to produce some 70 percent of the world's uh, cobalt and cobalt goes particularly into batteries so um, anything that has a battery really um, uh, a phone a car uh, particularly electric vehicles some of these efficient batteries so they're the 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 cobalt um, helps prevent them from exploding. Um, and so lithium and ion are the main elements to them, but uh, cobalt is really important. It's, and it's also um, important in military applications. Uh, so airplanes and, and so forth. Um, uh, cobalt is a, is a very stable um, uh, material to absorb heat. Um, and so, uh, but, but the, and then there are other minerals as well. Um, uh, what we call three T's in gold, tin, tantalum, tungsten, and gold, which have funded uh, armed conflict. Um, and so, and, and those go into all of our electronics. Tantalum um, uh, is like a little spark plug in your, in your um, uh, phones or, or computers or TVs. Um, gold is a, is a wiring um, uh, in there. Tin is a solder. Tungsten helps um, uh, it vibrate when you, when you have that function. It's also in other um, applications and in industrial um, manufacturing. And so, um, so we're using minerals from Congo every day. Well, well okay, so what? Um, well, the so what is that um, Congo uh, uh, is not improving itself at all from these minerals, really. Um, in fact, they're contributing to conflict and corruption um, in the country. Congo is actually poorer than it was 50 years ago. Um, it's, it's pretty shocking if you think where um, countries were such as Korea, South Korea or, um, uh, you know, even the United States or, 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 or Western Europe um, 50 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, the, the exponential um, uh, wealth that has been created since then in most of the world. Um, and yet the, the people in Congo are poorer than they were um, uh, 50 years ago. Um, according to the, all the latest data from the World Bank and others. Um, there's been a little bit of improvement over the last 20 years, but um, over 70% of the population still lives on less than $2 per day. Um, and so despite producing uh, the, the minerals that are essential for our modern product, a smartphone, a TV, you know, a, a plasma TV or projector TV, um, uh, electric cars, like the things that we consider uh, luxury items or, or that are really enhancing our lives here um, are, are not helping those people at all um, in, the, in the countries where the, the, the minerals are being produced. And so 
Um, you know, it, it's, it's been very interesting for me to learn um, about this process, having visited um, dozens of mines in the DRC and, and, our, and our team has visited hundreds of them um, and, and learn about the manufacturing process and, and what companies and consumers uh, how they how they consume them, how they what's their whether their supply chain, what can be done to make them more um, transparent so that the minerals are not funding conflict or corruption any any longer. Um, there has been some good progress in recent years in uh, reducing or or I should say uh, delinking the the conflict from minerals, which is positive. Um, uh, some 10 years ago, the UN said that uh, almost every mine um, for the three T's in gold was controlled by an armed actor. Um, today, that percentage um, uh, is down to more like 20 or 25 percent, uh, according to independent research, which is, which is a significant improvement. Um, uh, however, Cobalt continues to fund a lot of corruption and human rights abuses and, and, um, and gold, um, not the three T's, but gold in particular um, has been, um, uh, continues to fund uh, armed groups, is, is, is actually the biggest funder of armed um, groups in, in Eastern DRC where it um, uh, has one of the highest number of displaced persons, refugees um, uh, and internal displaced persons uh, in the world. Um, and so uh, there needs to be a lot more work done on those um, areas by companies, by governments, and, and of course by the Congolese um, government itself. As you express in your report, uh, shifting production to industrial extraction and abandoning artisanal mining is not recommended, as this would create even more job losses and corruption. What do you think is the way forward? How can it be ensured that there is traceability as well as ensuring indigenous economic development? Sure, great question. Um, well, let me start out by uh, giving a little bit of a background on uh, you know, how these minerals are funding um, conflict and corruption, and then we can, can get to the solution. Um, so, uh, so again, there, there, there are two types of minerals that we're talking about here. One are conflict minerals, and the other one is um, cobalt, which is and copper, which are more linked to corruption as well as some human rights abuses. So, so let's just take the conflict minerals first. So, um, the the way that those minerals fund conflict or have funded conflict, and again, now it's particularly gold, um, but it could move back to other minerals uh, later on. Is is basically that armed groups or units of the army who are very abusive. Um, uh, themselves and don't really protect people by and large, unfortunately, in, in Eastern Congo, um, they, they either control uh, mines themselves, they um, control some of the supply routes, uh, or they uh, raid mines. Um, and so uh, some, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had a number of different illegal armed groups out there, rebel groups, warlords, etc., cetera, um, who would um, basically force uh, hundreds and thousands of miners uh, to work for them either for, for nothing, i.e. they were slaves, um, or for next to nothing, um, and then take basically all the profits. 
um, and then you know trade those for weapons and ammunition. This is how the armed groups have sustained themselves. And there's some 70 plus armed groups in Eastern Congo and between three and seven million people have died um, from conflicts in the DRC um, over the last um, 20 years. So um, uh, with regard to, and that's still happening by and large for gold. The UN just reported um, two months ago that uh, armed groups were still trading guns for gold, essentially, um, via middlemen in uh, Congo, Rwanda, and Uganda, um, which, is, which is very sad. So there's a lot more to be done on that. Now, on the, on the cobalt side of things, cobalt is mined in a, in, in a different area of Congo. Um, so the copper minerals uh, are mined in eastern Congo, and cobalt and copper, which are mined together, by the way, in the same mines, um, are mined in southern, southeastern Congo, in a, in a region um, formerly known as Katanga. Uh, and so uh, there, um, instead of artisanal miners, uh, you by and large have industrial mines. Um, so it, with regard to the, the conflict minerals, it's largely um, people digging by themselves with their, their shovels and their pickaxes and very rudimentary um, equipment, artisanal mines. Um, and then for cobalt, you do have um, uh, artisanal miners, but 80% of the production approximately is done by um, uh, heavy machinery and industrial, um, what they call large scale mines. Um, now, that, that 20% of production still employs tens of thousands of people, um, although many of those are pretty heavily exploited, um, sadly. Um, so, so some of the um, artisanal, so, so, you know, artisanal mining is a, is, a, is a very difficult job in Congo, and artisanal miners are very frequently um, harassed by um, corrupt officials, by uh, members of the security forces um, and uh, uh, by, by illicit profiteers, let's put it that way, various traders and so forth, um, such that they're really making, at the end of the day, taking home very little compared to the value um, of, these, of these minerals. Um, and then on the industrial side, there are a few large industrial companies, some Chinese, some Western, um, the, the, the Swiss company Glencore is a major uh, producer um, has been implicated in several um, uh, corruption scandals uh, and uh, as well as some Chinese companies and, and others and, and the Israeli tycoon Dan Gertler has been a, a middleman um, for uh, various um, uh, illicit deals in, in the DRC and he was sanctioned by the US government for um, his involvement in, in some of those um, deals as part of its anti-corruption sanctions program called Global Magnitsky. Um, and so, uh, you know, going over to the, oh, sorry. So, so when, when a lot of these deals are made for the large industrial mines um, for cobalt, there are um, a lot of, there's a lot of bribery involved, a lot of bribery and illicit payments um, such that most of the money disappears. Um, for cobalt. So there, there are these signature bonuses that um, companies pay in, in the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars that um, go unrecorded. Um, there's a lot of uh, company payments that uh, 
extractive or the cobalt mining companies make to the, the, the government run companies and, and hundreds of millions of dollars have disappeared from those. Um, uh, in fact, two NGOs highlighted that uh, several hundred million dollars went missing from the state owned copper and cobalt company called Jekamine um, a few years back. Um, and, uh, and, and so, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the Congolese people really uh, are not benefiting by and large from these resources. For, of course, there are a few beneficiaries of them. If you go to the mining capitals of Congo, Lubumbashi or, um, or Goma or even Kinshasa, the, the capital itself, the, 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 the nation's capital, um, you will see uh, some fancy buildings. You'll certainly see fancy cars. Um, and, uh, and, and some of those areas have decent roads, um, although by and large, Congo has a very poor um, uh, road and, and overall infrastructure network. But, but uh, again, uh, over 70% of the population overall is still living um, under the poverty line. And so that, that, those, that, that mineral wealth is not, um, uh, is not benefiting the, 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 the Congolese people by and large. Um, so, so getting back to your question, um, sorry for taking so long on the background there. Um, uh, I think the solutions uh, really lie in a couple of areas. So, you know, first of all, what can companies do? Well, co companies, um, first of all, need to weed out the suppliers in their uh, supply chains. And, and so when I say weed out, like really take action against suppliers who are sourcing minerals from non-audited uh, what they call smelters. So the, the smelters or refiners are in the middle of the supply chain and there are only a, f a couple of hundred of those. Um, and so that's really the key choke point in mineral supply chains. And so industry set up a conflict minerals auditing program a few years ago, actually a couple of them. Um, and so they now audit all of these smelters and some 75% uh, of the world's smelters have passed these audits. So it's not like, oh, well, if a company wanted to cut out, you know, some of the dirty um, uh, smelters, they would have no one to source from. They, they have lots of uh, uh, companies, lots of smelters to source from who are audited to be conflict-free by independent um, third-party programs that, that we have assessed and, and, and advised on as NGOs. Um, uh, but, but many companies are not taking action um, on their supply, their suppliers. Um, they're either, you know, continuing to source from um, uh, dirty suppliers who have not been um, audited, or they simply encourage their suppliers to source from um, these uh, audited smelters, but um, very few actually require it, and, and even fewer really enforce that requirement um, so, you know, Apple and just a handful of companies are, are the only ones to really um, uh, get to 100% uh, uh, sourcing from, from these conflict-free smelters. That's a really important step. If every company did that, um, we'd see a lot fewer conflict minerals because there'd be no market for them. Um, so we're actually doing a survey uh, exactly on this topic right now. Um, so we, we plan to release that in the fall. Um, so uh, the second thing that companies can do is, um, is uh, you know, uh, uh, source artisanal um, cobalt and, and artisanal uh, 
um, uh, minerals more generally from the DRC using responsible uh, minerals uh, programs. So for gold, for example, um, there's something called the Craft Standard, um, which was developed uh, by an NGO called Resolve, and 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 but in consultation with a number of different um, NGOs and 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 uh, companies and governments, um, and that is a standard that companies can. Uh, go to to um, mines and say, I want to source from this mine, but I need to, um, you know, source according to this standard, uh, so that you know the 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 um, the gold is mercury free and child labor uh, is making progress on this child labor issue and is conflict free. And so here are the the criteria um, to use. Um, so that they're so because it's very important for companies to to not give up on the Congo and and not um, just abandon which some companies have very few I will say that um, at the moment um, there was an kind of an initial knee-jerk reaction by companies um, about 10 years ago by some companies 10 years ago um, that by and large has has um, gone away um, uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's very important to, to do that so that those in artisanal mines can develop um, over time into um, mines that will help the community that are much less exploitative and that can, um, can benefit the Congolese people. Um, it's also important for companies, I would say lastly, to um, not make direct deals with uh, some of the most corrupt actors in the DRC. So, so Tesla, for example, uh, the famous um, uh, electric vehicle manufacturer uh, recently made a, a deal, a direct deal to source um, cobalt exclusively from Glencore. Um, Glencore uh, continues to make uh, a lot of payments in, in the millions of dollars every year to um, this Israeli businessman, Dan Gertler, who's under U.S. sanctions for corruption. Um, Glencore is also under investigation for bribery in three different countries, the United States, um, the U.K., and Switzerland. Um, and so by making direct deals with these kinds of companies, um, it, it, you know, and not sourcing responsibly from artisanal mining, um, companies are, are, are just um, contributing to the problem uh, in Congo. So that's a really um, important um, step that, that companies, particularly that have the ability to, to do more, um, should um, do more and, and, and source uh, responsibly and not give up on, on the DRC. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I just also want to highlight the actions of governments, uh, which are really important too. This is not just on companies. Um, governments also need to take action. So, so governments can play a couple different roles here. Number one is there are um, illicit and criminal actors out there who are trying to still trade in corrupt cobalt or um, conflict minerals and, and you know, try to bypass all these industry systems. We did a, uh, an extensive report on, on one of those um, networks called um, the Golden Laundromat, which is about conflict gold um, from the DRC going into um, uh, products in, in, in the West, um, and, and, and particularly in, uh, with regard to, to electronics and jewelry and automotive um, companies. And so um, those, uh, those, the, the governments need to, to take action, hold those criminal actors accountable 
um, and and you know they 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 should sanction um, those uh, networks as well as um, prosecute them, investigate and prosecute them for um, violations of the law. And there are a number of violations um, that uh, have been committed by those types of types of actors. Um, I think the other thing for governments to do is really um, support um, in 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 um, in a much more robust manner the policy reforms that will help the artisanal miners succeed um, and and really uh, free themselves from this uh, exploitation um, that is uh, continues to happen um, on them. So, for example, in the in the in in Congo. Uh, the DRC needs to pass some some mining reforms that would really streamline their mining agencies um, and 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 hold corrupt actors accountable. So some of these um, corrupt uh, mining inspectors and so forth, you know, won't harass miners. They also need to give legal titles to artisanal miners um, and uh, and and make sure that they're properly registered and 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 not paying. Um, not forced to pay bribes and so forth for their um, registration. So, so, and, and uh, also tax reform, that's a really important one. Um, miners uh, in, in the DRC end up paying some 50% or more in taxes, some, some even more than, than 50. Um, and, uh, and, and that's crazy uh, because it, you, you'll never, um, you'll never end up making enough money uh, to develop the mine. And so, um, you know, you'll be forever left in this poverty trap. Uh, meanwhile, neighboring countries um, uh, place almost no taxes on the minerals. So for example, uh, Congo has like a, between eight and 13% tax on gold, which is one of the highest rates in the world. And uh, Rwanda and Uganda have zero and 0.5% tax on gold. Um, and so, um, you know, the European Union, the United States, and others need to um, help work with those governments to, um, to harmonize those taxes so that uh, there's not like a big incentive to smuggle. We have come to the end of the first part of this interview on mineral extraction especially also keep an eye for um, the publishing of all those results on different companies that the century is um, going to publish uh, this autumn. And we will be posting um, the second part of this interview together with this one. So don't miss out and see you in the last episode of the series. <laughs>